Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Amy Fowler, who's the Chief Marketing and Business Development Officer at Mintz Levin. She collaborates directly in her role with firm management and drives initiatives in the following areas, strategic planning, business development, client satisfaction, and the integration of lateral partners. Talk about having a seat at the table. Amy is part of the division head group and the policy committee, which means she's an active member of firm leadership running the day-to-day at Mintz Levin. Amy, it's a pleasure having you with us. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Tell us a little bit about your firm, Mintz Levin. Mintz was founded by three entrepreneurial lawyers in Boston about 80 years ago, and today we've grown to be over 500 lawyers with eight cities across the United States and London, but I think it's that spirit of entrepreneurialism and inclusion that was at the heart of our beginning culture that truly continues to drive the firm and our attorneys to this day. Like most firms, we've had to adapt and be responsive to our clients' needs. I think we were one of the earliest firms to sort of understand and appreciate the importance of industry expertise, and we've invested really heavily in life sciences, energy, technology, financial services, healthcare, communication, and of course, provide a wide range of services to those clients in corporate, litigation, IP, etc. In terms of the culture of the firm, it's built on collaboration, it's built on respect, and it's built on true partnership. And I think that's what makes it a special place to work. You have grown your department significantly over the years in your tenure at the firm from five people to 40 people. Is that right? Yes, indeed. (laughs) The team is um, quite diverse now. We have a traditional marketing group that does layout, design, and editorial. We have a communications group that focuses on PR, internal communications, our social media strategy, and our video production capabilities. We have a really superior marketing technology group. This group manages our CRM, our website, our blogs, our data analytics, and is really charged with sort of this attorney technology engagement program we have right now, which is getting the attorneys to actively engage with our CRM tool. And the business development team, I am uh, glad to say, I think is absolutely second to none in the industry. It's the largest and most attorney-facing group. The BD team works closely with firm leaders and partners in each of the sections on business planning, pitches, RFPs, thought leadership. We've clearly evolved to become much more consultant party partners, doing a lot of one-on-one coaching with attorneys, targeting and prospecting, uh, driving client service teams, et cetera. We also have a client satisfaction group that runs our biannual client satisfaction program with BTI and manages our client service teams. And finally, the BD team is highly involved in our lateral integration program, which I think is sort of a state-of-the-art thing that we implemented a few years ago. I hear you beaming with pride. You've had an opportunity to really shape this group from the ground up. It's pretty unusual. So I imagine there's been a lot of mentoring along the way. I know that's something that's an important value that you like to bring to your team. So what kinds of advice do you tend to share? What is it that you think is important for team members to hear as you're bringing them up the ranks in your department? For junior level new hires, you know, I stress the importance of learning. Um, Coming in and learning about our clients, the work we do, the industries we focus on, I also really try to impress upon them the importance of earning the trust of the attorneys, and that's not something you do overnight. So when you first come here, you may be asked to do an attorney bio. 
But you have to do that right before they're going to ask you to help them with a pitch and then ask you to help them identify a prospect and then actually help them put together the materials and develop the talking points for when they go to that client meeting. So it's sort of an iterative process that I try to impress upon people when they join that they have to step-by-step really earn that trust. For my mid-level staff, I really try to sort of focus on value. What can we bring to the attorneys that they're not asking for? So new ideas. I hear what you want, but you might want to think about doing something else, and here's an additional idea. The goal for the mid-levels is to really become sort of this trusted and valuable advisor so that they become a senior member of the team. They are really functioning as a uh, go-to resource for our partners. At this point in my career, one of the things I love doing most, and I challenge my directors every year, I ask them to identify the superstars. We sit down and we say, okay, here are the two or three people in the entire department of 40. And then we actively throughout the year identify opportunities to make sure they're working with other administrative departments on interesting projects, meeting the right attorneys in the firm who are influential and can help them build their experience and certainly their profile across the firm. And certainly within our own group, giving them sort of the sweetest projects to allow them to strut their stuff and really stretch themselves professionally to move to the next level. And I can say that, you know, the success rate when you actually can pick the two people and see them move through the ranks over the coming years, it's been really satisfying for me to do that. And I think the staff has benefited from that. I know the firm has benefited from it for sure. Yeah, that's a great philosophy and a way to sort of train the trainers, as it were, internally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've had some good success with many of your marketing and BD initiatives, but when we were preparing for this call, you mentioned one in particular that really blew me away. You were talking a little bit about your lateral integration initiatives. Can you speak to some of your success stories there and how you've gone about making that happen? Sure. I had been at the firm for, I think, three or four years, and our director of recruiting left. So our managing partner said to me, Amy, could you babysit lateral recruiting for a year or so? And What that did is it provided a tremendous opportunity for me to learn about what we were doing well and what we weren't doing very well. And frankly, we were doing a really good job of identifying good candidates and getting them to come here, but I don't think we were doing an effective job of integrating them. And the reason for that, I found, was that when partners came, we would assign an attorney mentor, and we would expect that to be successful. And I've often said that a mentor is someone who is more like a therapist. It has to be based on mutual respect and trust and commitment and all of that. And assigning those sometimes does not guarantee success. So I decided to take sort of the chance out of lateral integration. And we've created a program here that is really standard setting. I think the national average out there for lateral success in the marketplace is about 30 to 35% of laterals who join a firm two years later are financially generating what they said they were going to do. And our success rate is over 75%. And the way we monitor that is we look at, this is what the lateral said they were going to bring to the firm. We put them in a certain compensation tier. And two years out, we say, are they performing at or above everyone else in that compensation tier in terms of origination credit and production? And 75% of our attorneys are performing at or above everybody else in that tier. So that's a huge win. And the way we've done that is, I said, we've taken the chance out of it. So we look at a lateral when they're coming in, we look at their list of clients, and within their first four weeks of being here, the business development manager will have reviewed that list, gets on a plane with them, and takes them to each of our offices where there are one-on-one meetings or small group lunches or dinners where the BDM will say, David, you represent ABC company, and Amy, you represent XYZ company. 
I think there's opportunities for you to talk about what you might do with those clients together. And what we have found happens in those meetings is that there's a level of trust, respect, knowledge, and understanding that occurs that allows both to feel comfortable introducing the other partner to their client. And that's why our laterals who come in, very often their books go up immediately because our attorneys are very comfortable early on introducing them to the existing clients of the firm. And I think it's been a huge differentiator for the firm. If you ask laterals a year after they've been here, what was the most important part of your lateral integration strategy? They'd say those one-on-one meetings and the fact that the BDM was in the room taking the minutes and made sure that every opportunity for meeting clients was followed through and executed on. So I'm really proud of that, and it's the BDMs who do all the hard work of putting the schedules together, dragging the attorneys across the country to every office. But talk about getting to know your lawyer and their clients and what they can do in the firm and where to plug them in. By the time they finish the integration tour, um, they know each other well. So it's been, it's been tremendous. Well, and you've also integrated the BDM into the process. I mean, it sounds like the way that you're positioning it, the BDM is almost the relationship broker, at least initially, not only taking notes and trying to connect dots, but really saying, you know, I am the ambassador to create this business development synergy. I'm here to spot opportunities and make sure that this conversation is going to be productive and that there's going to be follow through on the other side of it. I think that glue is so important. I know so often at firms, there is an integration plan in place where the Mm -hmm. lateral is uh, being encouraged to talk to this person and that person, but they aren't necessarily being shepherded to do so. And and I think that extra piece can make a huge difference. And, you know, we, we learn from our failures, but initially when we launched this, we were very thoughtful about putting the schedule together and we made sure that the attorney went to the office, but the VDM was not in the room. And what we found was that those conversations, um, which often happens in a social situation, people would spend the first 20 minutes talking about where they went to law school, how many kids they had, what other firms they'd been at. So they never got to the meat of the conversation where the trust really emerges and the knowledge happens of information about clients they represent and where the synergy may be. So, you know, about six months in, we had to modify and tweak, and, and that's when we really hit our stride. And it was the role of the BDM. So you were spot on about that. Yeah. Well, it brings accountability into the whole mix. I think that's really smart. And and clearly, the results are are speaking for themselves. Indeed, they are. (laughs) So how do you foster the right mindset uh, among your lawyers? It sounds like the culture at the firm already certainly leans you in the right direction. And you've certainly put a lot of various initiatives in place to encourage that. But I'm just wondering, this is always a challenge at the firm. The BD and marketing departments are doing their best to tee up opportunities provide training, provide research, provide all of the right prospects. But at the end of the day, if the mindset isn't there, if the lawyers themselves are not entrepreneurially minded, then you really find that the whole system stalls out. What do you find that is particularly effective at your firm to counter that? You know, I honestly think it really starts at the top. And we are blessed with a dynamic, strategic, lead-by-example managing partner, Bob Bodian. Um, He has two passions in life. One is business development and the other is lateral recruitment. And he is highly committed to both. So when you have that sort of leadership in place, I think that helps. It then becomes our job to help him operationalize that. So I have to have the right staff in place. I have to have the right systems in place and processes in place and resources to support the attorneys because if we're asking them to become better business developers, then we've got to have all those things in place to do it. 
And we've been able to effectively do that. But I really do think it starts with leadership. And I, and I also think, frankly, having a seat at the table. The fact that I do attend policy committee meetings, I'm actively engaged in the division head group, which manages the firm. The voice of the client, the importance of business development and marketing is present in all of those conversations. And I think that influences firm leadership, and then that trickles down throughout the rest of the firm. The last thing I'll say on that is when I joined the firm eight years ago, you know, attorneys were hungry for this. They couldn't even get an edit to their bio done. And when my team and I were sort of able to say, here's what a functioning department will look like. Here are the things that we could provide to you. Here's how we're going to go about it. And then actually deliver on those promises. Um, we found a very welcoming group of attorneys who just kept saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. And frankly, that's been challenging because we have to stay ahead of them and continue to be innovative and thoughtful about what's the new initiative for the year that's going to take the firm to the next level and provide new value to our attorneys, which in hand will provide new value to our clients. Sure. I can appreciate how all of those elements tie in beautifully to fostering the right mindset, continuing the right culture. I mean, I've even seen it in my work with your firm as a consultant. You're one of the few firms where the business development and marketing function works seamlessly with professional development for, mm. for various initiatives. And, you know, that's not always something that we see at firms where there can often be turf wars or at least misunderstandings between who does what and who gets to spend which dollars. So, so much evidence that what you have created there is working well. Well, you know, we can't do our jobs effectively with the lawyers without the professional development group. And we're blessed to have a really strong team. We often get our best ideas when we're in the room collaborating together. So it makes it more rewarding, frankly, and much more impactful when our two teams get together to figure out, now, how are we going to um, bring the attorneys along on this particular topic or this new skill set or this new idea? And it's that sense of brainstorming as a, as a joint team that yields much better results for us. So I think I may have mentioned this to you, but uh, our managing partner, Bob Bodian, you know, manages by the seas. It's communication, it's collaboration, it's confidence. He certainly instills those values throughout the firm and it's evidence across departments. It really permeates the firm. Okay. Well, I want to talk about one more C, which is commerce. Now, this <laughs> is uh, clearly something that you've been able to tie beautifully in, in your latera uh, lateral integration initiative how to bring a lawyer into the firm and then demonstrate significant commerce within two years. But that's not always easily done, especially with a professional development initiative or a marketing mm -hmm. initiative. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, we're just kind of throwing energy into the ethers, trusting that it's going to come back in some way. How have you managed to tie ROI to the various other initiatives that you also engage in? Interestingly, four years ago, our firm did its first true strategic plan. And I say true because in the past, there had been strategic plans, but they were basically every practice was important and every geography was important um, because we didn't want to disenfranchise any individual person or office. But four years ago, our managing partner, myself, and a subcommittee, the policy committee, worked for a long time to develop a strategic plan. And we used third-party objective data to look at where the market was going and what the trends were. And then we sort of overlaid areas of expertise where we had 
significant bench, deep clients in that space, industry knowledge. And where the two intersected, we said, okay, these are priority practice areas. These are the geographies that are going to be important to us. And I I tell you that story because I think it plays into this ROI. What it has allowed us to do is to truly focus, whether it's looking at who we're going to laterally recruit, whether it's deploying my strongest business development managers to key practice areas, whether it's investing in industry conferences at a much more significant level than other practice areas where maybe we need to be there, but we don't need to be a leader. So it's really informed how we spend our money. We're not able to track, and I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we can say this individual conference yielded this uh, dollar amount, but I can tell you that our allocation of staff resources and allocation of business development dollars are much more focused and strategic than they were years ago. So that's number one. Number two, um, I really rely heavily on attorney feedback, and believe me, they'll let us know if we're not meeting or exceeding their expectations. So in terms of direct dollars, we don't track it, but I certainly track our client satisfaction, our clients being our attorneys. And then we continually, in a ridiculous way, track pitch and RFP win-loss ratios, our blog analytics, our social campaigns that we send out, um, our website analytics as a way of further measuring um, how much is our thought leadership impacting results and that kind of thing. So it, it's it's not a hard number, but I think there's lots of levers that we can look at or a lot of, of indicators to measure our success or not. Well, I have a confession. You know, I ask this ROI question often on these podcasts, and I actually think it's a stupid question because the fact of the matter <laughs> is, you know, it's not like you're just investing $1 and then $2 comes out of it. You know, there's the I should stand for all kinds of things like return on intention or return on intangible. The fact is there's so many kinds of energy that go into building a law firm and some of them true are dollars, but many of them are not. We pour our blood, sweat and tears into growing the firm and we see growth in many ways. Some of them can be converted into dollars for sure. Yes, exactly. Well, one other way that we invest is in our own development. And I'm curious to know where you go at this stage of your career. You've been there, done that, certainly. But I know from your personality that you're still someone who appreciates a good insight. So where do you find the innovation, inspiration, intelligence at this stage? and, And how do you keep yourself excited about another day at Mint's? Yeah, this is probably going to sound a little hokey, but honestly... I am inspired every day by my managing partner. He is so visionary and strategic and, quite frankly, fun that he keeps it interesting and is always sending me new ideas. And the other source of inspiration is my team. They are a continual source of new ideas enthusiasm, and they come in and they say, Amy, I want to do this, and here's how I do it, and here's how it's going to benefit the firm. And I have the unique position to be able to hear all of that, what Bob is saying, what my team is saying, and rationalize it, prioritize it, figure out how to operationalize it, and then tie it back to the strategic plan so I'm sure that it's meaningful. And that's what I really get my energy from. I also, um, from a reading perspective, I just love Bruce McEwen's blog called Adam Smith Esquire. And I'm an avid fan of Michael Renoweiser at BTI, his blog, The Mad Clientist, and all of his trend reports. I read every single one of them. And the last thing I do is I try to attend at least one C-level event per year. Um, Important to sort of keep those relationships alive out there. And I do find that because I get so much inspiration internally, that 
going external at least once a year to um, learn from others and hear new ideas and, you know, share best practices, that's also a good opportunity for me. And I think that's sort of how I focus my time in terms of innovation and inspiration, if you will. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing and doing a little inspiring of your own today. Really appreciate having the opportunity to speak with you and interview you for this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, this is David Ackert. You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, and you've just heard from Amy Fowler. Amy, thanks so much. Thank you so much, David. Take care.